But we're just having a great time praying, and we're praying over these connection cards. We're worshiping together. It's just really, just really been fantastic. And our, our theme verse for, for last week, this week, and next week that we've been, we've been using is Luke 11.1. 1. It says, one day Jesus was, was praying in a certain place. I'm going to talk about that next week in my sermon. He was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And so that's what we're doing over these, these several weeks is we're, we're, we're helping the Lord teach us how to pray. One of the tools that we have for you to help you in this is a prayer, a personal prayer journal that we have for you. If you didn't get one last week, if you weren't here, they're available to you as you leave today. It's a place that has uh, different types of prayers. There has the Lord's Prayer. It has a tabernacle prayer. It has places to list who you're praying for. And it is really, I've been using it. I, I've used it regularly over the last year, but I've really been using it a lot this week. And it's just been amazing, um, this, the scriptures that are in there that just really helps you pray. And so I just want to encourage you to grab one of those. And, and our heart is like the heart, heart of the disciples. Lord, teach us how to pray. Lord, show us, Lord, how to do this. We see in scripture the relationship, the connection that Jesus had with his father, that everything happened out of relationship. He heard what the father was saying. He saw what the father was doing. And as he did that, he responded and he began to do those things as well. And we saw, we saw, as we see in Scripture, just the impact of Jesus' ministry. And he invites us into this same ministry with him. And this is how he prayed. And we see in the Matthew version of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said this. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's really our prayer, is it's not my will, Lord. It's not what I want. It's not Jay's agenda, but Lord, it's your agenda. Lord, what's on your heart? Lord, what are you up to in this earth? Lord, what is what is it about your kingdom that you want to do? Lord, may it be so on earth as it in heaven. Because you see, prayer has to get beyond giving God our to-do list, right? It's not a celestial Santa Claus, right? We don't just bring, it has to be more than just giving him all the things that we need done. It is actually, prayer is actually aligning our hearts with the Father. And, and it's like a, a computer. You know, your computer, you, 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 you get an app, right? On your app, you have to download the most current versions of those apps, right? You have to update your apps. And that's one of the things that prayer is. Prayer is us updating our heart to God's heart. We're not, it's not that we're trying to get God to come close to us. We're wanting to come close to God and we're wanting to interact with him. We're wanting to download his heart into our heart. So it's his will will be done that we will be properly aligned with him. That's what we want. And what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at a, at a passage who, um, it's a really obscure passage, um, in the old Testament. In fact, it's, it's, it would be equal to like a um, Ancestry.com. It's a passage in the Old Testament where if you're reading these passages really early in the morning, the genealogies, you can, you can nod off if you're not careful, right? Because you just read all these names. But these names represent somebody. These names represent families. These are important. Uh, th- this is one of the reasons we know that, that the Bible is accurate because it even lists genealogies of people. I mean, this is, these are true records of real people that lived in real time in a real place. And as we, as we come through this list of over 300 names in First Chronicles, the, the author just stops. 
and and he he uh, he gives a he gives a shout out. He 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 really he just he expands on. He gives an honorable mention to one person's name. And this is First Chronicles chapter four, uh, verse nine and ten. This prayer is called the prayer of Jabez. A book was written about sixteen years ago that really just highlighted this and and actually caused a lot of people to see this prayer that had always just skipped over it because they skipped all those names when they were reading the Bible. But First Chronicles chapter four, verse nine says this. It says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. He was more, what does that mean? That means he was, he was more weighty. Does that mean he, he was heavier? Well, not necessarily physically. It means that he was, he was more weightier as far as his character. He was a person of character. He was a noble, honorable person. He was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother had named him Jabez saying, I gave birth to him in pain. This guy's name was pain. Imagine that. Can you imagine your mom naming you pain? I mean, just think about that for a moment. Isn't that just sobering? Um, when you look at the Old Testament accounts of names, there's two aspects to it. One was often a name would be given that would be indicating of what was going on um, in, 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 in a person's life at that time. So it, very likely uh, the, his mother experienced great pain and labor, and so she just pass that name on to them. Um, it also, there's a prophetic element to these names. And so um, not only was it an experience that was happened, but it was something that was spoken over his life, that he was a person of pain. And if we were to just, if we were to just rush past this, this portion of Scripture and get to the good stuff, if you will, we would really be missing it because we really, you can't really understand the story of Jabez. You really can't even understand any individual story unless you stop and you deal with pain. Because pain is something that has to be dealt with. Pain is something that just can't be just glossed over. That, that pain is real. Pain is a part of life. And how we respond to pain is, is an indicator of what happens in our future. And so he, he says here, he goes, he, he says, I, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. He was marked by pain. You and I have been marked by pain. Our life has been marked by pain at some point. If you're young enough and you haven't experienced it yet, just, just hold on. Just wait because there's pain in this world. And sometimes pain is caused by ourselves, right? You don't have to give me an out loud amen, but in your mind you're going, yeah, yeah, Jay, I've caused some pain. I've hurt myself. I've hurt others. We've had pain caused. to Jabez didn't ask to be named pain. But it was something that was done from the generation before him. And some of us have experienced pain from previous generations. And we carry that pain. We walk with that pain. That pain is reality of of what we deal with. But how we respond to pain is so important. How we respond to pain, we can actually benefit from pain. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says this. It says, this light affliction may work out for a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Charles Spurgeon, who was a pastor in England in the 1800s, probably pastored the first really mega church. He just thousands and thousands would flock to the Baptist church he pastored in, in London. And it was said that one time he preached over 6,000 people with any, without any amplification. So, I mean, this guy could preach. Uh, there's volumes and volumes of his sermons. And uh, just a prolific preacher. He's, he's called the Prince of Preachers. But yet he struggled greatly with depression. You say, how could he struggle? Well, he, he did. He greatly struggled with depression. And he said this. He said, affliction is the greatest book that I have in my library. 
In fact, friends, I, don't, I can't tell you of anybody that I know that's ever really done something significant for the Lord except they've been a person who's experienced pain. And I don't know, I don't know, I don't know every reason why that is. It's just anecdotal evidence. I'm sure, I'm sure there's somebody that's done something great for the Lord and they've never had any pain in their life. That's probably true. I just haven't met them. But everybody I've met that the Lord's really worked, they've had a brokenness in their life where there's been pain, where they've had to respond to that. Some would call it the dark night of the soul, of where you walk through a season of difficulty and pain, and how you come out makes all the difference in the world. You see, Jabez didn't pray a prayer. Oh God, why? Why have you afflicted me? We're going to read his prayer in a moment. His prayer wasn't, oh God, why did you let this happen to me? How could you do this, God? How could you let me down? How could you cause me to experience pain? How could you let my mother do this to me? His prayer wasn't focused on his pain. And friends, sometimes when we're walking through pain, we can allow our whole world to become focused on this issue of pain in our life. And when we do that, when we're focused on our pain, what happens is our world becomes smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. I was visiting with a, with a person on the phone this week who, who, who went through a very, very, this person doesn't attend the church here, they don't even live here, but I used to pastor them, and they, they, they called me, and they, this person had experienced just very, very difficult news, very difficult pain that this person's walking through right now in their life. And my, my advice, my counsel to this person was, begin to serve something greater than your pain. Begin to serve outside of yourself. Get your focus off of yourself. When, you're, when your focus is on yourself and on your pain, it cripples you. But what we have to do is we have to serve. We have to give ourselves to something that's larger than our pain. Can you say, man, have you experienced that to be true? It's true. Well, that's what Jabez did. That's what Jabez did. He said this. He, he cried out to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me that you would bless me indeed, the New King James, New King James Version says. And, and that's, like, that's like exclamation mark, that indeed. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. My daughter Maddie, when she texts me, I don't, know, I don't know why she does this. I don't know if it's her or if it's her generation, but she puts about 15 exclamation marks after every text she sends me. It may be two words, but there's 15 exclamation marks. And so when I read this I, and I knew the Hebrew behind it, I thought this is like Maddie because Maddie he goes, bless me indeed, and then it would be exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. That's what, that's what the author said. That's what Jabez was saying. He was saying, oh, Lord, bless me. Bless me indeed. Exclamation, exclamation. Lord, I need your blessing in my life. Because of this pain, because of what I've gone through, Lord, I must have your blessing in my life. And then he says this. He says, and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I may be free from pain. And the Lord granted his request. The Lord granted his request. His prayer was, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. That I'm not going to stay focused on me, but I'm going to allow you to help me to be focused on others and to be a blessing to others. The very first thing he prayed was he prayed for blessing that you would bless me indeed. He's praying for an impartation of supernatural blessing. And, and this could be difficult because the reality is there are some people that really don't believe that God really wants to bless us. That, that God is this stingy God. He's like a stingy father who wants to keep everything to himself and doesn't want to give anything to his kids. 
And that's actually very contrary to the heart of God. That we serve a God who is generous, who loves, who, 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 who gives, who gives. And, and we don't have to earn his blessing. We don't have to earn it. In fact, Psalm 512 says, For surely you bless the righteous. And maybe you don't feel very righteous here today, right? Aren't you thankful our righteousness is not based upon our feelings? Our righteousness is based upon our position in Christ Jesus. And because we've put our faith in Jesus, we know that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so the fact that our faith and our trust is in Jesus and we're walking with him, we know that we are the righteous children of God. And so you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor with the shield that his blessing, that his favor surrounds his kids as a shield. I have a friend who lives in in Colorado that pastors, and I've been on some missions trips with him. We've been in different environments together, and and, uh, and anytime anything good happens to him, he always, he always says to me, Jay, that's the fog. And he'd say that. He'd say that to me two or three times, and I begin to wonder what this fog was. I mean, he's from Colorado. I mean, I didn't know what he might be smoking, you know, or what kind of fog that this guy was walking in or, or what, because that stuff's legal, you know, out there. So I said, what's this fog? He said, it's a favor of God. He goes, I'm why? And I was like, well, all right. I mean, it's working, right? I, I can see it in his life. And so, and so it, it made me think of this, that you surround them with favor as a shield, that we can walk in the favor of God. Why does he want us to be blessed? Does he want us to have bigger houses, bigger cars? Is this, you know, there's, been, there's really been a distortion um, in the church over the last 40, 40, 50 years about blessing, about prosperity, about what we can get from God. And, and, and what we see, the biblical principle in Scripture of blessing is found with the covenant that God had with Abraham. Because God called Abraham, that, that he called him out, that he would fashion, that he would form a people for himself. And this is a promise that he gave Abraham. And as Abraham's spiritual children, this promise is for you and for I today, that Genesis 12, chapter 2 says, I will bless you and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing to others. That is the whole point right there, that in the midst of our pain, that we can say, Lord, in the midst of what I'm going through, in the midst of my pain, Lord, would you bless me? Because in the blessing you've given me, Lord, I want to be a blessing to others. Because unless I've received blessing from God, I can't give to others. I can't give something I don't have, right? You can't give something you don't have unless you're receiving blessing from the Father. There's nothing for us to give. And what does that blessing look like? We know Ephesians tells us that in Christ Jesus, in the heavenly realms, we have all spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, that, that, that spiritually we are blessed, but we have to realize that. We have to understand it. We have to walk in that, and we have to be willing to share that with others, that God is not a withholder. Matthew seven eleven says, if you then, though you are evil, meaning that we're, we're not perfect, we're not not perfect, that you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who what? One more time. To what? Those who ask him. So would you ask the Lord? Ask the Lord to bless you. Be like Jabez. Say, Lord, in the midst of my pain, Lord, would you bless me? Would you bless me indeed? And then when he blesses us, He wants us to do something with it. He wants us to impact others. And the next thing that Jabez asked for is he asked for influence. He says, Lord, that you would enlarge my territory, that you and I have to know why we exist and that we pursue it, that that in the midst of our pain we look for something larger than ourselves to serve, to give, that we would serve the Lord. Ephesians chapter 1, 17 and 18 says this. 
says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation so that you may know him better. Amen. That we'd know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart, that your perception, that your understanding, that the eyes of your heart, the ears of your heart, your spiritual understanding would be enlightened in order. Why? Why does he want us to have spiritual perception? Why does he want us to get it? He wants us to get it in order that you may know the hope that we may know the hope to which he has called us, that he has called us into hope, that he has called you into a preferred future, that he has something for you of influence. He has something of you that's larger, for you that's larger than what you're experiencing now in your life, and he wants to call you into that. The hope which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, that you, because you're a saint of God, because you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, that you are his saint, and because you're his saint, you have a glorious inheritance. Amen? Are you thankful for that? That you have a glorious inheritance. And what he's doing is he's praying. He said, oh, I pray they would see it. I pray they would understand it. I pray they would get that I have this, I have this future for them. I have this glorious inheritance. I have this hope that I'm calling them into in our future. He's calling us from where you realize God's already in your future, right? You understand? So God's already in our future, and he's calling us. He's saying, come on, Jason. Come on, Christy. Come on, guys. Come into the future that I have for you. And he's he's saying that. And here Jabez is responding to him, and he's saying, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, expand my influence. Expand my territory. I want to move into all that you have for me. I want to be blessed, and I want to know what to do with that blessing. Do you guys remember junior high psychology class? When you learn, you're like, I don't remember anything about junior high. When you studied Maslow's hierarchy of needs, do you guys remember that? Okay, there's a few of it. Okay. Well, the idea is the psychologists developed these basic order of needs, okay? It starts with food and water, security, safety. You guys remember it now, aren't you? It's like a pyramid. And so it works up. And so in any type of culture, if there's not food or water, that is... I mean, that's, that's paramount. That's what you spend the day doing, looking for food, looking for water, trying to keep the family secure. But once you get past those needs, there's other types of needs. And the very top need is a need called transcendence, a need called transcendence. Now, Maslow didn't, um, he didn't, he didn't invent these. He, did, he discovered them. He wrote them out. He didn't even got it. God set this up. The, the Bible says that God placed eternity in the hearts of men and women, that God has put in each one of us a desire, a longing for transcendence, a longing to make a difference in this world, that our life would count for something, that God has placed us in there. In fact, the word transcend or transcendence actually means to move beyond normal limits, and there's normal limits in our life, aren't there? There's limitations that would be there. And, and what, the, what Jabez is praying, what I believe the Lord wants to do, is he's saying, I want to move you beyond your normal limits. I want to move you beyond what you've been satisfied with. I want to move you beyond where you've just been, that we would be people of influence, that God would, would expand our territory. Anybody want that in your life? You guys want, I want that in my life. I want to move beyond normal limits, and I want to have a life that makes a difference for other people, that I hold on to the dream, the dreams, actually, that God gives me. Do you guys ever daydream with Jesus? Do you, do you guys ever do that? You ever done that? You just sit, and you just daydream with Jesus? You just talked about Jesus, about what if? Well, what if we did this, Jesus? 
what about this? You just think of these crazy ministry things, just crazy ministry things, or maybe they're business opportunities if you're in business, just crazy things, just daydreaming with Jesus. If you haven't daydreamed with Jesus, I'm telling you, do it, because then it turns into prayer, and then those prayers turn into vision, and then it turns into strategy. And so begin to daydream with Jesus. I'm telling you, it's fun and it's dangerous at the same time. Because the Lord wants us to make a difference in our life. Think about this. Think about, think about if you have kids or if you have grandkids or if you have, if there's the next generation of somebody that's close to you, maybe a niece or a nephew, think about the hopes and desires that you have for them. I mean, seriously, go there in your mind right now. Think about what you want for your kids. Think about the desires that you have for them to be successful, for them to be happy, for them to be fulfilled, for them to accomplish all that, that God has put in, in their heart. Are you there with me in your mind and your emotions? You're not there with me. I can preach longer. Okay. So in your mind, think of your kids. Think of your grand. Are you guys with me now? All right. Are you there? You know God has views the same way towards us. You know how for you kids, I mean, you want them to be happy. You want them to be blessed. You want them to be safe. You want them to be fulfilled. You want, I mean, you want that for your kids and grandkids, right? You want, is it true that sometimes we want it for them more than they want it for themselves? Have you ever experienced that frustration? You're like, oh, you could have, you could, you could do this. But yet they don't believe they could do it. I think that's a lot of reflection of how God is towards us. He has, he has plans for us. He has provision for us. He has dreams for us. He has hopes for us, sometimes even greater than what we, probably more than what we'd have for ourselves because it's exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever think, imagine, or even hope for. And so as you think about our Father God towards us, apply that to your own heart and help, help. I think it allows us to see ourselves from God's perspective, that he only wants good for us, he only wants to bless us, that he wants to expand our influence. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe, maybe it means coaching a, a little league team. Maybe it means coaching a football team this fall. Maybe it means that the Lord wants to expand your influence in that area where you're investing in the next generation. Maybe it's leading a small group. Uh, here at our church, that we, we need a few more small group leaders that you'd say, yeah, I can do that. I can serve people other than myself. I can, I can have a larger influence than what I'm having. Now, I'm willing to step out in faith, and I'm willing to go for it. But I believe this week, the Lord's going to begin to show you areas where you can have greater, greater influence. This week, I, I, I had to travel to Denver. I'm on a team a budget and vision um, team for our, our district of churches. And so I had a meeting in Denver. So I was coming back on Tuesday from Denver, and I was in the Denver airport. Um, I was there for my flight, and I was, I was just waiting. And as I was looking around, I noticed I saw uh, Congressman uh, Billy Long there. And so as I saw the congressman, I, I just I said, oh, okay, I think that's him. I've never met him, but I've seen billboards. So he looks like his billboards. And so I thought, I think, that, I think that's him. And so I went and I got a sandwich. I hadn't eaten lunch yet. And I was standing there eating a sandwich, waiting to board. And I felt like the Lord prompted me to go up to Congressman Long and just tell him that I've been praying for him because I have. And, uh, and during this election season that I would go up and just tell him that. I'm like, Lord, I don't want to tell him that. He's here with his family. He's traveling home like that's the last thing he wants to. He doesn't. He he's in another city. He's off right now. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't want me to talk to him. I, thanks, Lord, but I'm just. I'm gonna pass on this one. And uh, and so I just kept eating my sandwich, and and then our flight was delayed ten minutes, and I was like the Lord saying, "See, you you got more time. The flights 
not leaving. So you can go talk to him. And I'm like, thanks, Lord, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I don't want to bother him. I'm just going to eat my sandwich. And, and, and then the flight was delayed another 15 minutes. And I thought, if I want to get home tonight to my family, I think I need to go talk to Congressman Long. And so I, and so I went up to him and, and I just said, I said, are, are, are you Congressman, Congressman Long? And he was like, yeah. And I could tell immediately his body language was exactly what I had predicted. He was not happy to see me. That I think I was another constituent probably upset that he was away with his family and he didn't really want to have to deal with it right then. And, and, I, and, and, and all I wanted to do, all I was going to do is tell my prayer. I said, hey, I don't want to bother you. All, I just want to introduce myself. My name is Jay Bean. I pastor Grace Church on Plainview Road in Springfield. And I said, sir, I just want you to know that I've been praying for you, that our church is in a, in a day of 21 days of prayer, and we've been, we've been lifting you up in prayer. We're lifting up all of our elected officials. And I just want you to know that I pray for you regularly. And, and I, just, I, I just wanted to let you know that. And I hope you have a great day, and, and I'll keep praying for you. And I just turn around. And walk off. That's that's all I was going to say. And as I walked off, he said, "Hey, he said, wait, wait, Pastor, come here." And so then he invited me over, and he began to share just some health struggles in his family, and just asked me and us to pray for him. and And it was amazing. It was amazing the turn of what happened. And I've been praying this prayer. I've been praying this prayer for several weeks now. I was reminded of this prayer, and I've been praying this week. I've even been praying this prayer every day. And, and I don't know what the future might hold. I don't know when he might call and ask for prayer. He might call or it might be something he needed. But it's, it started with just a response of me just saying, okay, Lord, I'll move out of an area that, that, that I'm not, I don't really want to do that. But, Lord, I'll just step out in there. A person right before service told me how the Lord used them outside of a Walgreens to pray over a person. And, and God touched that person as they prayed for them outside of Walgreens. That the Lord wants to use you to expand his kingdom because the influence ultimately is not our influence. Do we get that? It's kingdom influence, and that's what the Lord has for us. So we pray for blessing, that the Lord would bless us, and then that he would expand our influence. He would expand our territory, so we'd know what to do with it. And then the third thing is, is that we would pray for his presence. He says, let your hand be with me. You see, we need the hand of God. I cannot do what God has called me to do with my own strength and my own power. I need the hand of God in my life. You need the hand of God in your life. In Scripture, the hand of God represents the presence of God. It represents the authority of God. And, and, and that's, what, that's what Jabez is praying here. Acts 11.21 says, The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. That the, the hand of the Lord was on the early church. And the reason the early church was effective in the way they were is because the hand of God was on them. And I want that kind of effectiveness in my life. I want that kind of effectiveness in our church. I want the hand of the Lord to be upon me. Anybody else want that? In, you want that in your life? You want the hand of the Lord? I want the hand of the Lord on our church. That our church would be marked with the presence of God, with the authority of God. That when diseases come in here, they submit to the hand of Jesus. And they, they, they can't stay anymore when depression comes in this building, that the hand of God is here and the authority of Jesus would break that in people's life. That when people don't know him, that they would come and they would experience the hand of God and lives would be changed because of the hand of God that is on my life, that's on your life, that's on this church's life. Zechariah says this. Amen. Go ahead. That's all right. You can do that. <laughs> Zechariah 4 6 says, Not by might, not by power but by my spirit, says the Lord. That that's the way 
That's the way the things of the Lord gets done. It's not by how strong we are. It's not the might that we have. It's the Spirit of God that makes the difference in our life. That's, that's the difference. It's the Spirit of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 3-6 through six says this. It says, not that we are competent in ourselves. Is that true, right? Not that we're competent in ourselves. We don't have, he's saying, I don't have it all together. I don't know everything. Not that we're competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competency comes from God. Aren't you thankful for that, that our competency comes from God? He has made us as competent ministers of the new covenant of Jesus Christ. That's how we are competent, because of what Jesus has done in us. That's how we're equipped to do what God has called us to do. It's because of the competency that we have in Christ Jesus. He says it's not because of the letter. It's not because of degrees. It's not because of certifications. It's because of the Spirit of God that is on us. That's the difference. That's the difference that it makes. Did you know for the first three years that I pastored this church, I puked my guts up every morning before I preached? Do you know that's a pretty picture, isn't it? Yeah. I, did, I threw up every Sunday for three years. I would go down into our basement, and we had, a, we had a fairly large bathroom down in this basement with a long counter. And I put my notes on the counter, and I would practice my sermon. And, and as I would just be in the presence of just practicing, I would get so nervous. that I had to, That's why I had to practice in the bathroom, because I had to be close to the toilet. And I would just throw up. And, and, and I did that. for and, and the Lord gave me this verse to begin to claim over my life that the competency wasn't in myself, that I was a competent minister of the new covenant of Jesus Christ because of what Jesus had done in me. You see, I'm just a kid from a small town in Oklahoma. Like, if you guys would have known me as a kid, like, you guys would not have believed that I turned into a pastor. I'm just, I'm tell, you ask my, in fact, one time I was in Tulsa. And uh, I, we were driving through Tulsa, and I ran into a group of teachers from, from my elementary and junior high years that were flying out of Tulsa to go to a conference in Vegas. And I had to, one by one, go through and ask every one of those teachers for forgiveness because of the way that I had acted when I was in their class as a kid. I'm telling you, I was messed up. I was, I mean, I was, in fact, I mean, my family was messed up. I mean, I had a good, like, close family. But beyond that, I, Heather did not meet my extended family until after we were married. You think that's a joke. It's the truth. I didn't let her meet my, I'm telling you. I, it's like Gideon. He said he came from the, the smallest town, and he was, the, he was the, 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 from, the, from the weakest, the smallest tribe. I'm telling you, I came from a little bitty town in Oklahoma. And I was actually from the town outside of the town, and the school outside of the small town outside of the town. And, and, but I can tell you that, that I had great pain as a child. And one of the reasons I had great pain is because I didn't have a father in my life. And in the midst of that pain, I cried out to Abba Father. And at 12 years old, I began to understand what it meant to have God as my father, as my dad. And I began to feel his hand upon my life. And as I responded to the love of Father God, it began to change my life. It began to change the course of direction of my life. But it was because of the hand of God. It wasn't because of me. It was simply responding to the hand of God. And then finally, number four, Jabez prayed for protection. He said this. He says that you would keep me from evil. We know that, that uh, it's similar to the prayer that, 
that Jesus prayed in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And some people, how do you translate that? Keep me from evil or keep evil from me? How about both, right? How about both keep me from evil and keep evil from me? I want both of those in my life. And so he prays for protection. You see, because as you experience the blessing of God, as you begin to to see an expanded influence in your life, as you begin to see the hand of God come upon you in a great and in new ways, I promise you the devil won't like it. I promise you he will come after you. He will he will seek to in fact we we first Peter five eight says the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, that he's on a prowl. He's looking to see who he can take out. But we have a promise in, in, in Psalm chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. This is David speaking. He's saying, oh, Lord, how many are my foes? He's like, he's looking out across the valley. This is a, a war setting, and he's saying, oh, Lord, look at the enemy. Look at all of these foes that I have. How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God won't deliver him. God's not going to bail him out. He's going to get it. He's going to have what he's going to He's never going to make it. He's never going to be well. He's never going to be healthy. He's always going to be in bankruptcy. He's never going to amount to anything. This is, this, nothing's ever going to happen good in his life. Anybody ever said that about you? But this is what, this is what David had said. But you, O oh Lord, you are a shield around about me. Anybody here thankful for the shield of God? That you're a shield around about me. Oh, Lord, you bestow glory on me. And, Lord, you lift up my head. <laughs> Anybody thankful the Lord he lifts up your head? Because we need that, right? Because we look, at what's, we look at our circumstances. We look at what's going on around us, and our head can go down. And the Lord, he's the lifter. He's the lifter of our head. Our daughter, Maddie, who's 20 years old, when she was three, we had a we had a situation where we were at Heather's parents' house who have a farm out east of town, out Rogersville, Fordland area. They have a couple hundred acres and I was out there. Maddie was three. Her uncle, who was five at the time, was with me. And we were in the we were in Maddie's grandpa's farm truck. We were in this farm truck and we pulled up next to the house and there's this really steep hill, this really steep embankment. And I got out of the truck, and I'll never forget this. I got out of the truck, and as I was getting out of the truck, Jordan, her uncle, was who's five, was was you know getting. I was getting, letting him out the driver's side, and as he walked by the steering wheel, his hand grabbed the the shifter, and he popped it out of gear into neutral, and the truck began to roll, and Jordan jumped to me, and I caught him, and I sat him down. And I turned to get Maddie, and the truck had already taken off. This truck was rolling, and it increased speed so fast. And I took off after it. I don't know why. Like, what could I do? How could I stop like a rolling truck, right? But as a dad, that's what you do. And so I began to chase this truck down this hill. And this, I'm telling you, this truck, it, it, it went through a bobbed wire fence, and it started banging trees. And I went through the bobbed wire fence, and it cut me all up. It ripped my clothes. I was bloody. I, was, I fell in the mud. And, 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 and the door was open. The driver's door was open. And, and when it hit, it was going backwards. When it hit the, uh, the tree, it bent it all the way the wrong direction. And so it's just open. And I'm seeing it banging against trees. And it goes all the way down to the bottom of the ravine. And it hits this huge tree. I'll never forget the sound. And just comes to this hard stop. And I'm scrambling. I'm running. I mean, I'm just tripping and falling, going down the, this hill. And I come around. And I'd fallen down right before I got up to the, to the truck. And I fall down. And I look up. And I see her. 
And I don't know what to expect. I mean, it's a metal dashboard. She's ridden down this hill. I have, this is a big Ozarks hill. And I have, I have no idea what to expect. And I look up, and I see her curly blonde hair. And I see this smile on her face. And she is just fine. Like, she is just fine. And I grab her. And I start climbing up, walking up the hill, and, and I'm covered in blood and in mud, and I'm all torn up, and, and Heather and her mom are screaming and hollering at the top of the hill. I mean, this is her baby. Like, this is our only, only child at the time. We didn't know what was going to happen. So I come up, and, and they grab her from me, and they make sure, kiss her, make sure she's okay. Nobody bothered to check on me, see if I was okay, see if I was covered in blood and all. And, and we began to talk to her, and we began to... When she was fine, there's nothing wrong with her. She should have been knocked all around the cab of that truck. There was nothing wrong with her. And we said, Maddie, she was three, and she could talk complete. I mean, she was born talking. Like she could talk paragraphs from the day she was born. And we just said, Maddie, are you, are, were, you, were you scared? She said, no. No, I wasn't scared. She said, the light boy was with me. We said, light boy? What are you talking about? She said, well, the boy, the boy that was with me. We said, well, we said what boy? She remembers it to this day. I called her last night to say, do you still remember that? She goes, absolutely. She goes, there was a boy. He would have looked to be about four or five years old. That He was shining. He was bright. And as I was rolling down the hill, she said, my focus just stayed on him. I wasn't scared. I wasn't afraid because I saw this. And obviously we believe that it was an angel of the Lord. Just as Psalms 91 said, he, he sends his angels to surround us that we can pray for the protection of God over ourselves, over our family, over our loved ones, over our church, that we serve a God who protects, that he protects. Do you believe that? Well, if you believe it, you'll pray over it. Amen. I'm thankful my daughter's all right. That's great. And so this morning, I want to challenge you to pray every day for the next seven days. I want to challenge you to pray for yourself, to pray blessing, to pray for increased influence, to pray for the hand of God, and to pray for protection. To pray for that. Would you, would you not only would you pray it over yourself, would you, would you pray it for your family? Would you pray it over our church? Would you pray it over, and you could take, you could take 10 minutes on each of them. You could do this for 40 minutes, or you could do it for four minutes. You could just take a minute and just pray this prayer. And ask God, because ultimately, prayer is aligning our heart with God's. And this is what God wants for you. This is what God wants for me. And so it's, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done.